Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Trash Talk, Every Frame of Dumpster Fire. I'm TK, and always, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric. Hello there. And this week, we're joined by our special guest, Salad. Hello, I am Salad. Salad. Hello, Salad. <laughs> Hello, Eric. Um, yeah. We're actually we're joined by Selena, and this week we have watched the movie Hellboy. Yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> it is a movie, and it comes at a very special time when comic book and superhero movies were really just getting off the ground. You had a like some successes in the seventies and eighties with like the Tim Burton Batman movies, the superhero or uh, Superman movies, but in general, like. They weren't really well respected until like they were really like successful until the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, you got like Blade in nineteen ninety eight, which was one of the earlier Marvel successes, and that movie did very well uh, with audiences and critics. You get the first X Men movie, X Men movie in two thousand, which was like a smash hit, and then that franchise really just got the engine turning. Then you got like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies uh, that started, I think, in 2002. And this comes at 2004, sort of just as, as, as things are, are, are getting going for that, for that juggernaut. So what did you guys think of Hellboy? Hellboy did the best possible, did my favorite thing in any movie or TV show ever, where... They acknowledge that there is a real world link, or pretend that there is a re- that there is a real world link, or or hint to it, and then use that. They they incorporate that into the story as a way of covering up the thing they're hiding. So in Stargate, they made a show that was basically Stargate the show, but in the show called Wormhole X, I think. In this, they point out that there are Hellboy comics that are made about actual Hellboy in the movie made about <laughs> the Hellboy comic, you know. Yeah, it has that weird sort of meta element to it. Like, this character has his own mythology in the universe that he's in. Which is actually just the comics that the universe comes from. Yeah. I will say it's uh, a lot worse than what I remember. (laughs) (laughs) How so? I was remembering it as like this great superhero. Hellboy is like the best ever. And he was crime fighting and just amazing. And he's just a guy with a gun and a big Mm -hmm. fist. (laughs) He's he's just a Mm -hmm. schlub trying to to do his best. (laughs) Yeah. Um. (sighs) Wasn't that great, to be honest with you. That's why I like it, because it's not, you know, it's just, I, so there's kind of a concept that has come up in in a few different movies, and the really easy example is you've got Han Solo in Star Wars. Han Solo in Star Wars is basically there to be the audience making fun of the ridiculousness of everything around him. Yeah, yeah. he does it really well. Hellboy kind of does that, too. He has that same kind of irreverence, yeah. And and um, um, I'm bad with names, but the FBI agent that that shows up at the start of the movie, the new guy, John Myers. Same thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same same thing, but a little bit different. Like Hellboy is just the straight man 
nothing phases him. This is all mm-hmm. just he's not freaking out. He's just like whatever. And then you've got John or whatever. Well, continuing your like... your the Star Wars comparison, John Myers is is young Luke, except Luke isn't really the the focus of this movie. Um, you know, Luke's the sort of the young preppy kid who's you know who's who's pretty ignorant of the world and he's just sort of being launched on this grand adventure and then you get characters like han solo who have been in this magical world for a while and you know sort of help show him the ropes but it's sort of reversed hellboy is sort of if you followed um han solo as as the main character and uh luke is just sort of along along for the ride rather than really directing too much of the uh the plot of the happenings so i i think that's that's kind of interesting but that is. before we get too much into that sort of stuff, what is Hellboy about? A boy from hell. <laughs> Excellent. Literally. Moving on. Um, I think that actually I have, I rewatched it last night just to be extra ready. Um, thank you, dog. Um, and I, I, I took notes as always. I have two notes. My only two notes are Rasputin and Lovecraftian. <laughs> yes. That's it. Those are the only. But the uh, movie opens up in 1940 something. 1944. 44. Mm-hmm. I was going to say either 44 or 47. Great. I probably should have written that in my notes. Um, <laughs> opens up there on an island off the coast of Scotland where uh, the American army or Navy, or I don't know if they're Navy SEALs, whatever, are are sort of storming this island where they believe there are Nazis mm-hmm. prepping to do some sort of occult something. Yeah, there's this, like, alternate history component. Like, historically, like, you know, in our world, the Nazis were big into, like, the occult and weird, um, like, occult stuff. Like, Hitler was was obsessed with this stuff. Um, they were big into science and, and the occult and trying to blend these things. It's, it's, it's actually really weird. But, you know, in this Hellboy universe, the occult stuff is actually real. There are magical artifacts, alternate dimensions, weird, you know, demons from, from hell. And, you know, on this Scottish island, they're conducting this ritual to bring forth these, you know, gods of chaos to, you know, help the Nazis they win are... the war or wipe out the planet, something like that. They are summoning Cthulhu, basically. They are summoning Cthulhu, exactly. <laughs> Literally, yes. He wanted, Hitler wanted the seven gods of chaos to kill all of his enemies, from what they were saying. And, I mean, it kind of worked. He brought some back. He got one small red ape. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I always wondered is, where did the blue guy come from? Ape Sapien, yeah. He just, um, they don't really explain it. Like, they don't they really explain, he would, no. Know, He's just been around since the 1700s, I guess. He's just there, and and um, we won't get too much into it because I don't. We didn't. We didn't ask Selena to also watch the second movie. But if you get into the second movie, they go more into the fact that like, yes, there's the chaos gods, and that's where that's sort of Hellboy's origin story. But this this universe that they're building has all sorts of other mythos in it so there's fairy tale creatures and, yeah. arthurian legend all that sort of stuff um, is sort of real so, and exists in this universe for all we know abe sapien 
could be the last descendant of the Atlanteans after the city sank or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? All they say is they found him in the basement of a hospital. Oh. And and he's a little psychic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, after everything goes wrong on the sort of Scottish island as the sort of Americans um, fend off the, the Nazis there, we find one of our main characters who's telling us this story, um, John Hurt, who plays uh, Doctor Broom, um, and he's sort of reflecting on on how he how he uh, met Hellboy and took him in as a son, and then we flash forward to you know sixty years later, where he basically works as this paranormal f- crime fighter. I guess it's it's sort of up to Hellboy and uh, the rest of the the paranormally gifted group to you know stop all these demons and and magic users from wrecking havoc on the human world. Yes, and basically, what we find out from from the summoning scene is there's these uber Nazis trying to do bad stuff. Uh, aided by the best character in any movie he's ever in, Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they do the summoning ceremony, the portal opens, uh, the Americans intervene, they try and stop them, Professor throws a grenade at the portal, all that. Uh, Rasputin gets sucked into the portal, and then we jump 60 years into the future, uh, I think shortly after that, like we jump into the future with the the John and the new FBI the new FBI agent figuring out what the heck is going on at this paranormal activity branch of the government. It's almost like a Man, Men in Black type moment where Will Smith's yes. character is introduced to this secret agency and uh, <laughs> and all the shenanigans going on. That I mean, actually I think he handled it pretty well. Yeah, I mean that's probably yeah. Professor chose him. I'm guessing because he assumed he could. He's very mm-hmm. open-minded. Yeah, pretty level-headed. Um, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. But every 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 time I've seen it, or at least the times I can remember, um, because the first time I saw it, I was probably way younger than I should have been. I don't remember it very well. <laughs> but um, the last couple times I watched, that's one of my favorite little sort of jokes. Is they show the 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 head of the FBI on you know, a late night, late night talk show talking about Hellboy's not real. Aliens aren't real. Why is there, you know, why is every picture of every Hellboy (laughs) alien, you know, whatever, why are they always out of focus, all that. And then he outright says there is no branch of the government called the center for paranormal activity, defense and research or something like that. Again, I'm bad with memory, but, and then we immediately cut to that. They cut to the building that that is in, and the and it tells you you're at the center for and paranormal the exact research. Name, yeah, just fades in on the yeah. screen. It's perfect. Like, um, but the thing that I was trying to get to is after we get a little bit of an introduction to what's going on, uh, we do get a little bit of a a, a slight flashback to what's been happening in parallel with this, which is. Uh, Rasputin's creepy girlfriend that he gave immortality uh, murders a guide somewhere in some icy place 
to raise Rasputin from the dead to bring him back from the Chaos Realm. However, that <laughs> yeah. works. That that whole process isn't exactly explain how that happens. So, if if you're not on board with the movie by then, you're you're not going to be on board for anything else that happens afterwards. Like the the weird occult mysticism stuff is yeah, like, just has its it. has its own rules. And I think they do a good job of telling you like. Everything you think is, if you're a normal, I that's not the right word. Forget I said normal. If you are <laughs> an, the, the average person who doesn't believe in too many, in much of the, the occult things, whatever you do happen to believe in, everything you've ever heard is true. Tarot cards are completely true. The Loch Ness Monster is real. Aliens probably exist. Catholicism is real christianity is real all these other religions play their roles in this um and we get sort of shown that by we see the professor at the center for oncology which is the center for for uh cancer patients at the hospital and we find out with him that he has about six weeks to live because he's got mastocytic cancer and they say to him well you can always get a second opinion well, he already has because we see him flipping over the tarot card and it's, I don't know the names of the cards, but the Grim Reaper essentially. And that is his second opinion. He knows there's nothing he, that can be done. And that's why he's bringing in our 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 Luke Skywalker, as, as Eric said, sort Training of him. be his replacement yeah. as the, the grounding force and the guide for Hellboy as he grows up. And that, I think, leads us to some of the more some of the funnest parts of this movie is just Hellboy interacting with the rest of the cast. Yes. Having that sort of Han Solo type character be irreverent, but you know, the rogue with a heart of gold type character. Hellboy is just trying to do the right thing, but he's also, you know, he's, he's sort of, um, you know, there's some selfishness there. There's some childishness there. And and that leads to a lot of the sort of fun character conflicts. Cause this movie has, you know, has the romantic element, has the action adventure, and has weird Nazi mysticism. It has everything. Can, can we? Can we just like somebody please make me a version of this movie with without the weird thirteen year old jealousy romance bullshit? <laughs> like the whole thing of of John and Hellboy's girlfriend like go out for coffee, and then Hellboy breaks through a brick wall to go follow them and like spy on them and be all jealous about it and stuff. I get, yeah, I get that that's like sort of trying to show us that despite the fact that he's over 60 years old because of the way he ages, Hellboy is still fairly in his soul and in his personality, still pretty young and immature. Um, yeah. In rewatching the film, that's the stuff that really didn't hold up to me. I forgot how, uh, how, boring and unconvincing a lot of the romance stuff is in this in this movie but oh yeah that's that's not the interesting stuff for me um i the the makeup and special effects i i think really deserve special mention for this movie one of the main sort of forces of nature would be um samael the hound of resurrection who we're introduced to very early who's this weird like demonic dog thing with tentacles all over its face and four eyes it's a really fun design uh, the creature goes from like a all four stance to a bipedal stance does some really good mixing of like cgi and practical 
because it's it's a dude in a rubber suit <laughs> until you have to have like the CGI model for more uh um for more, you know, physically impossible type type stunts, you know. Yeah, I mean, I rewatched it today and I was expecting the CGI to be absolute just horrible. You can tell exactly what it is and you can at sometimes, but oh, yeah. I was very surprised. It is really good. I'm I was mainly surprised about the red on Hellboy. Like he gets rained on, it doesn't wash off. It looks basically like his skin. Like it it was really good. Yeah, yeah and especially the with department. The the makeup for these movies is is legendary. Um the second movie was nominated for an Oscar for its makeup and special effects. It deserves it. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah, the yeah, the the work on Hellboy and, and Abe Sapien is is phenomenal. It's this combination of like, you know, prosthetic suits and and crazy makeup and and Ron Perlman just absolutely sells it. Um Yeah, I I feel like you get in this sort of time frame in human history I make that very grand, but in this sort of era of, of movie making, you get one of two because we sort of talked about, and and this this movie is later than some of the examples I have, I think. But like in the past, not on the podcast, but we've talked about um, the Matrix movies and how I felt that the 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 battle for Zion in the later Matrix movies was very much a a masterpiece of combining VFX and practical effects. Oh yeah, and it going perfectly. And I think in this, yeah, you can see a lot of people think of this era as the era of VFX are just like computer generated effects are just starting to become a thing and they're absolute garbage. And the only reason, the only fucking reason that everybody thinks they're that shit is because of George fucking Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody thinks of the Star Wars prequels with their shitty VFX. And there's a lot of really good practical effects in the prequels too, but all, all people think of is the shitty VFX. Some but of if the digital look... effects are excellent and groundbreaking. Some of them still hold up, but but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is like just obvious green screen. And You're and right. I think if you if you show people, you know, some of the the Matrix, you show them this movie, you know, you can change people's minds about what VFX. I think actually you get it gets a little bit worse before it gets better going forward, especially in sort of the superhero space. I'm sure there are are some of the Marvel movies where the VFX wasn't quite there yet, but they really lean heavily on it. This is an era where everything looks really good because they they know the limitations of both practical and computer effects, and they do a really good job of mixing them. You hit the nail on the head, I think, and and Guillermo del Toro, the director of this film, specializes in that. A film like Pan's Labyrinth is so good, largely because of how well it it combines practical and digital effects. Um, And yeah, understands the limitations of of both those mediums. And a connection to Pan's Labyrinth, our, um, our actor for Abe Sapien, Doug Jones, also does the fawn and the pale man in that movie. The guy that really specializes in these non-human characters yep. and their sort of weird idiosyncratic movements, though though the voice was done by uh, David Hyde Pierce, um, um, sort of uh, also, Darth Vader type situation. Mm, he also plays 
an important character in the newest, uh, not the newest, but the I guess the second newest Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery. He plays, again, an alien that looks suspiciously similar to Abe Sapien and sounds exactly the same because it's his <laughs> voice. He's got a very unique voice, but yeah, he's... Um, I think if you want to talk about the effects some more, I don't even remember his name. The wind-up man, basically. Uh, Carl Cronin? Something like that. Hitler's, Hitler's head assassin. Yeah. Another example of... Oh. That's, that's a standout sequence. The, um, it's not even an autopsy, isn't it? Um, he's, he's... Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> he's he's captured at a certain point in the film or he lets himself be captured. He's this weird clockwork man animated by like machine and black magic. It's 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 not entirely clear, but it's super creepy. Um, um when he comes to life he just wields these blades like a crazy assassin. Yeah, it looks like a character straight out of the Matrix with his daft punk helmet too. Um <laughs> But yeah, during the autopsy scene, you basically just see all this, all this weird dissected flesh and wrinkled skin and and surgical scars and the lips and eyelids being removed. It's it's a creepy image. Like, why did he decide? I don't want eyelids anymore or lips. <laughs> I, <What? laughs> as the professor that? says, he had he had a surgical addiction. But like, he you don't just... want to blink anymore blinking's overrated every time you blink that's like a millisecond of of seeing things that you've lost yeah and you're more productive when you can't sleep i guess so i guess i I didn't think of that like that that dude is that dude is driven like you you gotta you gotta respect him i mean he was a very good assassin i'm just i'm just curious like how much of of him interacting with the world was practical and how much what I think a lot of it was practical i'm I'm very curious about did they literally have him like for some of the scenes did they have an actor a stunt person whatever in a leather gimp suit that had extra like pockets added to the outside full of sand that they could pop because like that's the thing is is he's his like anytime he gets shot, he literally like bleeds sand. Oof, yeah, like little sandbags being punctured. That was yeah, that was one of the tricks they used. Um, they used some like green screen um, face type stuff because the eyes, his, his eyes are for the most part digital. Whenever you mm-hmm. see them, um, so yeah, it's it's a combination of 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 practical and digital effects, like a lot of the things in this movie. Um, his his actual body, I think, is a prop, and when it moves, it's either a puppet or a guy in a uh, in in like weird makeup and prosthetic effects. There's a really good special. This this, this movie, when it was came out on DVD, had a really good uh, had some really good special effects on that, or uh, sorry, special features on that DVD that that go into a lot of this stuff and how they made that movie. Because a lot of the 
stuff with with some il it's 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 a dude in a rubber suit just flailing around and then it transitions <laughs> to these uh to these cgi models when you need it to uh you know defy gravity and cling to walls and ceilings and, and... yeah I, I i love seeing that kind of stuff there's the fight in the train station which is one of my favorite sequences in the movie where hellboy is going kittens, after the hound <laughs> It, it's so good um but you you see one scene where the hound sort of gets up and starts flailing it's like left tentacle at him and it, and you can tell it's just this you know flailing rubbery rubbery suit texture and that always just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy i enjoy the the that creature as a as an actual character with personality in this movie is very interesting to me because they really they make Samael interesting to me because he, it, whatever, I don't know. It, the, the I don't know if they're even gendered because they, re, like, I don't they know. Reproduce, but yeah. They reproduce, yeah. Yeah, but they reproduce asexually. Yeah. They just put eggs in, they just put eggs in whatever I they I mean, stat- whatever it's... gender a strawberry is, I suppose, is the same that you have for Samael. <laughs> but, I mean, if I want to, like go down the rabbit hole i i could be convinced that if it weren't obsessed with eating humans or whatever it's obsessed with from an evil point of view i could be convinced that samael is is a level of intelligence similar enough to humans to decide its own gender much like humans can well, and we certainly see intelligence. We we certainly see a personality, which is and, you know hard to convey with with a sort of goofy rubber monster. And that's monster. what I really like about it. That's why I, f- yeah. I find it a very compelling addition to the movie. Is is the mix of like wolf like on all fours, very monster like. Just it is a it is an animal behavior on top of like intelligent standing on two feet, like. The dis- okay, when when it's in the subway the first time and it runs at the train, jumps up, slices through the door, rips it off, and runs through the train, that whole sequence was very clearly very thought out by an intelligent creature. Mm-hmm. And the way it yeah. behaves is like a human with arms and legs and hands and tools, and and but other times it's acting like a dog. And it, yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a very fun creation. And it's one that you know they they clearly enjoyed themselves in in bringing to life. That that's the general theme feel that I get with this movie is that it was created with so much passion and love. Like the the actors are taking their roles seriously. Um, it isn't to it doesn't have that same campiness that a lot of superhero movies of this era had. I mean, Catwoman for God's sake came out in the same year, and that was a notorious disaster. Um, uh, listen, that was a great movie. <laughs> it's, it's it's great from like a schlock perspective. Like that movie, I I can't stop laughing while watching. It is so enjoyable. Very. When did the original Daredevil movie come out? That's what I want to know. Ooh, I think two thousand two, early two thousands. Two thousand three. I just found it. Yeah. Good guess. Yeah, these like this movie definitely has some some overlap with this those sorts, but. This one takes itself seriously, and I, I think that's in its favor, even as how ridiculous things are going. And when you get to the, you know, climax with the giant space crystal tentacle monster, 
Like you're still invested in the characters. You're still sort of invested in the world. So let's go back a bit and and resume sort of covering the story of what actually happens in the movie. So Rasputin's back. They raise Samael from the dead, whatever. Um, we find out that Samael's laying eggs. They go on to fi- try and find these eggs, and that's where some of the main characters, so, well, not some of the sort of semi-main, the side characters, die to the Clockwork Man, whatever. From there, the Clockwork Man shuts himself off. Essentially, he un unwinds his windings, and we you think he's dead, and that's where we get the all the kind of autopsy as Eric was was alluding to, and that's an important plot point because then later on. Uh, the bad guys come to, you know, while Hellboy's out doing his cringy teenage spying on his girlfriend shit. Uh, mm. the the bad guys Rasput- Rasputin's creepy girlfriend. They show up at the Center for Paranormal Research and Defense. I think I got that right. And yeah, Rasputin and... can just teleport in, and yep. <laughs> when he does that, uh, he, he sort of brings back the clockwork man they bring back the clockwork man they murder the professor which is an important plot point and that's what put and that is the result of that is that is that the one of the worst characters in this movie is now in charge the head of the fbi (laughs) i I like jeffrey tambor's character he's 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 pretty unflappable but he's he's also um I, yeah, he's also quite about. I mean, if we continue down the story, their their goal is to stop Rasputin. They find out Rasputin and all of his bad guys are in this random cathedral in a random graveyard in the middle of Russia. I guess. Yeah, and, and this is all to lead Hellboy there to fulfill their yeah. their plans of of what they plan to do at the beginning of the movie: what, is bring these the, sort of ancient evils into into Earth and sort of destroy destroy earth the thing that really solidifies my opinion on that character on the head of the fbi is is two things that happen so they go like the the entire time they're at this graveyard and he's like he's trying to do things by the book whatever you know we need a search grid whatever hellboy just raises someone from the dead who's clearly been hung and only has half a you know he's they bring back a skeleton to direct them. Whatever. They find their way into the cathedral. And the entire time, this head of the FBI is just like trying to prove he's the one with the big balls. He's the he's one that's power in charge. Uh, it fails. Shortly after that, they get into a situation where where him and Hellboy are separated from everyone else. And they're locked in a room with the clockwork man in a fight. And... The thing that the, the juxtaposition that makes this character almost not make sense to me is Clockwork Man takes a swing at him with one of his swords, slices his jacket, and his response is like a dumbfounded, What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, what what do you mean what's wrong with him? He's been murdering people for the last two weeks. This is what you're surprised that he tried to murder you after he murdered people multiple times? What do you do you not understand what's happening here? And then the the juxtaposition of that to 
35 seconds later, he's throwing gears at the guy trying to pick a fight to protect Hellboy. Like, he went from surprised, confused, and afraid to ready to get into a fight with the with the super clockwork assassin. And that's like, why I love him so weird. much. It's just yeah. weird. I don't know. He's a, he's a guy who has to be in control of everything, who acts, like, incredulously when people don't do what he wants them to do or what he expects them to do. And it's he's he's sort of in like a weird state of denial where he doesn't understand the danger. He's still trying to control everything, and I I think it's absolutely hilarious. It, 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 we get into more of his character in the second movie, but he's he's still the same way. But he definitely trusts and respects Hellboy's judgment a lot more. By this point, so he we does do get some character development. Yeah, shortly after that, they, they, spoiler, they kill the Clockwork Man, as you'd expect. <gasps> spoiler, wow. Everyone's favorite character. <laughs> and then they oh, go down the, the him teaching Hellboy how to properly smoke a cigar. <laughs> and, and See, that's, character development. And that's when you know they're friends now, sort of. They, they have a grudging respect, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, why why is it proper to get uh, a match out and not a lighter because when you burn a lighter it gives off a lot more different gases and flavors and depending on how efficient your lighter is burning you'll actually get like lighter fluid on your cigar and it will change the flavor whereas a match that sounds yummy uh i don't smoke (laughs) anything so it all sounds gross to me but But, yeah it's something cigar enthusiasts are are big into it's it's the same idea as like it's the same idea as like people who are really into anything. Like you don't want to drink soda out of a can; you want to drink it out of a glass bottle because it tastes better. Because the the ones out of a out of a can taste like aluminum or or wine glasses you always hold by the stem, that sort of thing. Oh, okay, okay. And let your wine aerate or put it through a decanter. You get, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but okay, I get it now. <laughs> Also, it's easier to keep track of how many matches you have. You're, when your Zippo, you know, your zip, as we see in the movie, your Zippo might randomly run out. But you've, if you've got a box of matches, you just know how many are in there. And when it's getting low, you buy a new one, I guess. Quite right. Yeah. Well, that takes us to the climax of the film. I was expecting oh. you to go somewhere with that. <laughs> You know what? I was too, but then I just completely blanked on like all the names of the characters and the events because everything just spirals into complete freaking madness. Uh, um, but it, it, it ties into like what happens at the end sort of ties into the sort of central theme of this movie, or at least one of them is, you know, choosing, choosing your own path. You know, Hellboy is always trying to do, you know, the right thing, follow his heart. And as immature as he is, he does a lot of good for these characters and he's it's sort of he's he's caught between two paths um he has two fathers basically our our dr broom um and uh and our rasputin dr broom who took him in and raised him and uh rasputin who summoned him called him forth and uh at the end he, he gets a choice whether or not to you know sacrifice his girlfriend um and save the world or save his girlfriend and condemn the world 
um, follow those sort of two paths. And his destiny, as we find out, is to sort of be this harbinger for, you know, the deity that Rasputin wants to bring to Earth. Uh, you know, he's, he's sort of like the gatekeeper, and he can sort of give in to that or or resist it. I think we get we get an important bit of iconology, a bit of imagery here, where where John breaks free of his of his bindings. That's not the important bit, but he breaks free. I keep of forgetting the about John. <laughs> yeah, he breaks free of Luke the Skywalker. Doesn't really have much. He to doesn't do. It. He's not. This is the first time. So I'll, I'll before I get to my important imagery. That's the word I couldn't think of. Uh, important imagery point. I'll I'll go back a bit. This is the first time John does anything useful. This movie, like he he's a little bit useful in like helping Liz a little bit with her problems and 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 like being just like a a normal grounded reasonable human in all of these situations to a degree. But really, this is the first time he does anything important, and the first time he shows. Oh right, he did actually graduate from from training at the FBI. He's not completely useless, and he he breaks out of his his shackle, uh, knocks out Rasputin's creepy girlfriend that I can never I, I don't know her name. She's not super important in this movie, and basically reminds Hellboy that even though you know he may have been created for evil, he may be a literal you know devil from the chaos universe whatever he was raised by a good man and he does he can choose to be good based off of how he was raised not based off of his origins essentially whatever his destiny might be yeah and in that he throws uh a crucifix on a necklace to hellboy which uh hellboy's father the professor always carried a seemed to always carry a crucifix with him it had some importance it has some importance in warding off evil in this universe, I guess. And the crucifix literally burns a cross into Hellboy's hand, and I think that's the important the the sort of the, who he is. Yes, the the imagery of almost branding him, despite the fact that he is created from evil, he has been branded with good by the father he was raised by. That's that, well that put. Yes, a little weird, but and that's what saves the day essentially yeah. and hellboy just like beating people up but i mean so what you're telling me is christianity is a way to go yeah this, in this, this universe has, like really like really <laughs> strong christian values it does like when you get into it this is a very very pro jesus film more so than passion of the christ actually which came out at the same time Oy vey. <laughs> but that's a conversation for another time. That's yeah, that's basically the I mean Hellboy rips off his horns that have grown back due to evil, which closes the portal. The weird tentacle monster that was living within Rasputin breaks out. They sort of And we have to destroy a giant Slimy tentacle monster, as you do. Yep. Mm -hmm. So they kind of escape, I mean... and then Hellboy decides to go back with the grenades that the FBI have provided. Short fight scene, blows up the tentacle monster, nobody cares, blah, 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 it's dead. Yeah, I was very disappointed in that fight scene. I felt like it should have been longer, 
there should have been a lot more tentacle slashing, in my opinion. I feel like they're they 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 didn't want the movie to be too long, and they spent too much time on weird teenage romance. So yeah, this movie <laughs> is oddly long, <laughs> Very, just over yeah. two hours. Um. <sighs> I like the the I believe it's in this movie where like Liz is Liz has been killed by Rasputin and then yes. Hellboy basically tells the devil or whoever is on the other side of where you go when you die, hey, give her back or I'm gonna come fucking kick your ass. And it somehow Something works. Like that. And it works. Yeah. I mean what we see is him I mean, in his in her ear going <laughs> Yeah, well, and then all of a sudden Hey man. She's you been back. on Twitch recently? It's just ASMR. <laughs> Is it? It's just ASMR is so good it brings her back to life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's all he needed to do. <laughs> I don't like any of the things I just said. No, no, you're right. <laughs> no, yeah. That's what this movie is. You just had to whisper. Yep. It should be called ASMR Boy. It really that's a very different movie. <laughs> this movie wishes it could be AS- ASMR boy uh, I don't think so but okay but yeah the, the the romance stuff is really what didn't hold up for me and going back to rewatching it I, for- I there's a reason why I forgot about it <laughs> and uh, mm. reason why I forgot about uh, the John Myers character thankfully most of this stuff is really downplayed in the second movie yes which I think is, you know, a universal improvement on this one. As much as I like this movie, um, especially for the time, it does a lot of really cool stuff. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it doesn't feel like it holds up. I think the, yeah, there in, was like some, the story and the characters. There's a little bit of a little bit of crunchiness, a little bit of issues with the whole some of the story in this. This movie feels, yeah, it does sort of feel like world building more than a full movie at times. And the world building stuff is like my favorite. I love all the little, little elements like, you know, when they're telling us more about Abe Sapien, when they're, you know, when they're giving us a lore on, uh, on, on Samael and all the little details we see with Cronin, like his, his massacred body. It's, it's some some cool stuff like the world building is really what works for me it just doesn't fully come together as a satisfying or interesting narrative hmm. like the most interesting characters are you know are the, the 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 freak characters you know the one with ones with the powers it's not you know john myers who is you know the most forgettable character of all time i i feel like yeah this movie they they concentrated on building the world more than actually telling a decent story. And then when you come to the second movie, they're like, cool, we built this world, let's go play in it. Exactly right. Like it, it's The second movie slows itself down in the right moments to give us really good character interactions. Like in this one, we don't really see much in the way of dialogue between like Abe and uh, Hellboy, which is some of the most interesting things in the second movie. You know, it's it's the character stuff. They really allow them to brush up against each other and, and respond to each other in the second movie, which is something that this one this one sort of lacked. 
but it is it is a fascinating world and a fun one to get some insight into. I can definitely see though how it can rub some people the wrong way if you're looking for like a neat narrative where everything makes sense, but nope, it's mm. just occult superpowers. And yep. if you're not on board by the, you know, the 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 sequent, you know, 15-minute prologue in in Scotland, then nothing else will interest you. So that'd be right my recommendation if you're interested in this movie at all. Watch the first 15 minutes and and see if you want to want to continue on that uh, on that ride. If it does nothing for you, then you probably won't won't enjoy the rest. Anything else, or is that pretty? It is much a PG thirteen movie, which is interesting. Um, yeah. I, I I seem to remember this one being a little more R rated, but a lot of the gore and blood effects are actually pretty uh, um, pretty Pain. pretty died down. It reminded me a bit of the first Spider-Man movie, which I think was also PG-13, but that one had some that one had some pretty crazy violence. Like <laughs> Green Goblin gets stabbed in the pelvis by his own glider, which is a pretty horrific death. Um, but yeah, I mean, between those two movies, there's some, you know, some pretty horrific, horrific deaths for for characters. But you know, it's it's sort of kept PG-13, so it's it's nice to have a movie that can still be violent and and horrific but not you know r-rated yeah exactly and and they on top of the yeah the there's some they they keep the violence the gore with the violence pretty toned down they also keep the rest of the movie like you know there's essentially no nudity not that there's an issue with that, but just if they're trying to keep the PG-13 rating, there's no nudity, there's very little cussing, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which is weird, because from what I remember, which my memory is really bad, um, I thought there was a lot of cussing in Hellboy. I remember him saying all the curse words, being the yeah. worst superhero ever, but apparently not. My memory has served me pretty wrong <laughs> i i didn't remember his lines being that sort of corny and almost like his lines feel like they were written by a teenager which yeah works and also works because he basically I, is a teenager i i expected him to be a bit cleverer with his quips i i for some reason i had in my mind that they were like deadpool level or yeah. you know, sort of wolverine yes. style quips at, at nope. certain points but no it, it feels like they're coming out of the mouth of like a 13 14 year old they're not particularly clever i mean um, which is why we liked it back then you yeah. would think because yeah. they were so <laughs> i remember them so... being cleverer yeah he, he is cleverer in the second movie i think yes i, I so uh, that I makes remember. me think it's kind of a product of the of the writing in this movie where things didn't fully gel Yeah, they still had some stuff to figure out, I guess. Yeah. But what we do have is, is pretty good. I, I think this is a memorable movie that definitely deserves to sort of be watched, especially in the, the context of, like, nowadays we take for granted how big superhero movies are and how they seem to be, like, you know, they're, you know the biggest grossing movies of all ta- time nowadays, you know? The new Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie is, like, the fourth or fifth highest grossing movie ever, so we, we kind of take that for for granted but this was at a time where they were first you know actually reaching a broader audience critics actually got interested in them more serious actors were taking these roles 
Um, and um, yeah, and, and just for its its blending of digital and practical effects and the makeup effects are are masterful. So if you're interested in it from, from that perspective, sort of see what kind of movies got the superhero engine rolling, this is, is definitely one of them. You know, and it's it's not afraid to have a little darker tone or tell a more, um, you know, tell a story that isn't an origin story. Because, you know, all the, <laughs> half the Marvel films are or- superhero origin stories, you know. Um, and this one sort of drops you sort of straight into the action of the character's life. Yeah, I mean, they tell him, like, I'm your dad kind of thing, but you don't know exactly how, because he wasn't even, like, a baby baby when they found him. So he learned some stuff from wherever he came from, the hell place, and we never know anything about that. Yeah, Yeah, the origin is wrapped up in 15 minutes. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, Where does this sort of stand up for you guys in terms of superhero movies? <laughs> that it's hard for me to like it's almost hard for me to place it cuz I up until basically now or or recently when we were talking about this movie and talking about doing the podcast, I never really considered it a superhero movie. Same. I get why. <laughs> I understand, like, sort of, it does have a little bit of the superhero formula to it. It's based off of comic books, and and he is a hero with powers that are super, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Like, he's, he's, he, but, like, yeah. Um, I mean, the easy answer is it's definitely better than Ant-Man, because that movie was garbage. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Well, just in terms of what you think is 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 different or sort of unique about about this movie, in terms of like how it was executed or the story, it's you, this movie. You don't get the like every superhero movie ever. The climax is always a huge half the budget went into this fight scene. And this movie, yeah, you don't yeah. get that. This movie, like, you kind of yeah. do, like, you get the fight scene at the end between Hellboy and the big tentacle monster, but, like, eh. They definitely do more grand climaxes in movies that would come later. Because a lot of those earlier Marvel films, especially, like, Iron Man, the big villain fight and the climax of the movie is kind of... <laughs> kind of understated like kind of kind of a lot less crazy and then you know 15 years later when you get to avengers endgame it's just the greatest cacophony known to man yeah even even you get to like iron man 3 is the one where he's got ptsd i think and and like the the end is just all the suits flying around and fighting and yeah you gotta go bigger. It's, and it's it's bigger, and yeah, Thor Ragnarok, the climax, the battle's pretty big. Obviously, like you said, uh, Infinity War and Endgame both have a pretty, pretty monstrous ending. And this movie is kind of like, yeah, there's a tentacle monster. He blew it up. The end. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> eh. 
He's dead now. Yeah, it doesn't feel much like a clash of, like, titans. And the villain definitely seems a bit underdeveloped. You do have that sort of thematic two fathers kind of thing going on. But it's not particularly interesting or satisfying villain. Again, I always think of, like, you know, in the Sam Raimi, the first two Spider-Man movies, Green Goblin, Doc Ock. Phenomenal villains, like, phenomenally well acted and executed and, and how they relate to the protagonist as being you know especially especially brilliant um but you know here the villain doesn't really doesn't really have much presence besides just teleporting in and and having these like cool ass dr strange love glasses <laughs> but he is pretty forgettable yeah yeah i actually forgot about him for a while, and then I was like, "Oh, that guy exists." Whenever he came back, I think the it was with the literally puppet. has some teleport in. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, that guy. Remember him?" Yeah, like I always hold this movie in like much higher esteem in my head. I still think it's pretty good, but you know, it's um. Now I think it's it's sort of middle, middle yeah, slightly so above average. I guess. Yeah. I guess. To wrap it up, as we have done on a few a few of our episodes, how many how many sheen beans do you give it, Eric? Um, probably a six and a half or a seven. Lena, uh, I I would say five. 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 It's just I think yeah, right in the middle. I think like like five and a half. Five and a half. I, l- I love the practical effects too much in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The effects are really good. That's that's what elevates it a little bit for me. But, you know, um, I, I'd definitely be more inclined to give it like a, a five for 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 story and uh, and character execution for most of it. But yeah, I, I just think Ron Perlman's performance, Abe Sapien, John Hurt as Dr. Broom, like those elements I think really really elevate it and and it is memorable like parts of the movie i think are are super memorable and distinctive i always remember the clockwork man the hound hellboy abe dr broom but i always forget about the existence of 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 john myers like he just exits my mind as soon as i'm done with the movie so it's a real real mixed bag in that sense okay well i think that's just about it for today uh, thanks everybody for listening. I believe uh, next episode coming out on February the fourteenth, we're going to be hopefully joined again by Selena and covering Jack Reacher, the movie Jack Reacher, starring Captain Scientology himself. <laughs> um, and yeah, with that, we're gonna end, I guess. Farewell.